Hello and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast. I'm your host, Bill George. With me as always, AJ Rebecca. What's going on, Bill? What's going on, AJ? We also have our producer, Craig, on the mic. How are you? This is a bonus episode of the Should I Go See It podcast. The, uh, the, we've never... Have we... No, I don't think we've ever It got done shelved. This. We did. We have recorded uh, episodes about television in the past, but I don't think we've ever ended up posting them. We ended up shelving I believe those. Yeah. Are Netflix and Bill edition. Yes, yes. we did do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we the first episode of season eight came on. Avengers got kind of lined up, and then after this episode, we kind of had a group text of the three of us. We said, you know what? It's, it's get the it's, band back together. Yeah, it's what everyone's talking about. So, so uh, yeah. So today we're talking about Game of Thrones <laughs> on HBO. This is season eight, episode three. Yes. The Long Night, oh, the name of the episode. God. The reason we want to talk about this episode in particular, uh, we're all Thrones fans. Yep. Uh, and this episode had been billed uh, quite a bit leading up to it as a major milestone in the show, a milestone in television making uh, based on the behind the scenes that required to put into it. Sure. Longest battle. Uh, longer than battles of in Lord of the Rings movies, shit yeah. like that. They gave it a lot of superlatives to talk about how big this episode was. And it's the final season of the show. Uh, so a lot hinged on this one. So we're going to talk yes. about this episode as well as Thrones in general. So again, uh, like our Avengers Ed- Endgame episode, if you listen to that, this will be sp- spoilers, spoilers, spoiler warning. Uh, we're just going in depth. So I hope yeah. you are a Thrones fan if you're listening to this. I don't have a synopsis, but I can probably make one up. Uh, the... Um, <clears throat> the Starks, uh, the dragons, <laughs> the other people in the north, the Dothraki, the Unsullied, mm-hmm. and basically everyone who says fuck Cersei fights a horde of the undead mm-hmm. in what is uh, called the Long Night. Bill, mm-hmm. should I go see it? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to because it's Thrones and Thrones is the best show on TV. It's such a soft yes. Uh, but it's, this episode was a mixed bag for me, I'll be honest. Uh, really? Very mixed bag. Yeah. yeah. Especially given all the buildup uh, and the anticipation, I I was unimpressed with lots of aspects of this episode. Wow, I know, no, I know. Me, me on the other hand, uh, this was probably the best hour and a half of my life, and I once tried to masturbate after taking a handful of Ambien. So, <laughs> I, is there like an Urban Dictionary phrase for that? I feel like that should be a thing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Man beans. Anyways, uh, uh, I'll, really, uh, you know, really, what would you say this? Is the, would you would you say this is the best Thrones episode to date? Top three. Oh, oh, hard disagree, dog. We've been waiting hard fucking eight years. I, you know what? Here's what <laughs> happened. We just did Avengers, and I was pleasant through the entire fucking thing. I didn't raise my voice once. That's because right wrong, now yeah. we're about <laughs> two stories up. I have no problem throwing you out this window. In defense of this? Are you fucking dumb? No. It's called I'm the not. NyQuil challenge. <laughs> oh, that, that's what it's called. The NyQuil. <laughs> or as Urban, Dic- you. <laughs> Urban Dictionary also calls it the unbeatable game. Uh. Uh, uh, no, what's your I, take? I I'll give you opening. I'll give you honors for opening take. I'm honestly shocked that you would go this hard defending this episode. It was great. It was because I had lots of issues. Do you want? Do you, I can give you like my things that I did like about it to align with you first. Let's start my, there. My redeeming qualities. Okay. Um, I enjoy the story beats that they hit. I enjoyed the twists and turns of the battle itself, like the main like points where it hinged and changed course and sure. things like that. Like I thought the way it unfolded 
as a, as the battle itself, I thought was smart. Um, I like the ending. I think this has some of the best imagery uh, that we've seen probably in the show, like in terms of things like the lights going out for the Dothraki, the half dead dragon with the fire, like kind of coming out the side of its face, like uh, sure. the trench lighting up, the Night King marching, uh, the like waves, like World War Z style waves of zombies over, like the, the imagery. And like there was some shots that were really cool because when the fire trench was lit up, it kind of had like an orange glow backlight to things sure. that were happening in, in Winterfell. Yep. So there's like the imagery was great. Uh, like I said, the story beats are good. Um, but like that, for me, is kind of where I tap out. The rest of the execution of the episode is my biggest hangup. And because of that, it distracted me from really latching on to the episode itself and the emotional beats of the episode. Like I couldn't get past the, the technical. That was my issue. I'm going to go opposite. Is we've seen in the Battle of the Bastards, we've seen in the Battle of... Hardhome. Yeah, and like Helm's Deep is that everything is executed with this this sense of you can see everything and you know exactly what's going on. This wasn't an episode of Game of Thrones we saw on Sunday Night Bill. Oh boy, here comes the, the uh, this superlatives. Was a, this was a fucking horror film that we saw. Yeah. I was yeah. literally on the edge of my seat for an hour and 20 some odd minutes and I felt uncomfortable. And I think that's exactly what the directors and the cinematographers wanted you to feel is because... You you just waited eight years for this battle, and it was a it was fucking carnage. I was on the edge of my seat too, but I was squinting to look into the blackness and trying to see where this giant black blob is moving towards this giant black blob, and trying to figure out what the fuck is happening on my just screen. Just because right you now. bought an Insignia TV at Best Buy for Black <laughs> Friday for two hundred fifty bucks does not mean that's my problem. First of all, for the record, I have an LG OLED four K HDR television. Okay, so don't talk to me about the technical. On the television side of it. Well, I did have a problem with my feed or what I was viewing. No my, problems. It was rich, deep blacks <laughs> <laughs> with no banding and no issues. Sure. Okay. Uh, I had issues with the with the lighting for sure, but it was also the lighting combined with the amount of close ups and the quick cutting, where I just could not. <laughs> Craig liked that one. I could not follow exactly what was happening uh and that's a problem for me if i'm if i'm stuck with confusion and frustration that's the whole i can't get into the is it confusion and frustration beats. like every day you open up fucking tinder <laughs> yeah but it's a different it's a different set of uh why different set just do it with the light shut off it's the same thing <laughs> it was just way too chaotic without enough resets of the spatial geography of what's happening in the battle. False. Absolutely false. It's a problem. There were so many establishing shots of Winterfell and the surrounding area that you knew. No, it's- no, not enough of them. They you know do. What? I'll give you the beginning. They that, do it at the beginning. And, uh, you have Danny and John on the hill. Yep. Looking down, you see the Dothraki That's horn. Literally, you the, see what moves into that. Like you see what's going on. They do that two or three more times, but literally. That shot was so good. That was the only establishing shot that you needed to see to realize how fucking crazy this was about to get. Sure. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, and maybe the fact that I'm asking this question is part of why this frustrated you, but like, I can think of like three locations where the battle was happening. There was outside the walls. Yeah. 
yep. that was on like the bridge, right? Where like people are like shuffling in and out throughout. Like right. there's a point where Jamie's there, there's a point where Brienne's there, then Arya's fucking shit up there, the hound, all this stuff. Yeah, all on the and wall. And then there's yep. like there's the courtyard. And then there's the courtyard of Winterfell, which we've seen like dozens and dozens and dozens of times right, throughout right, the right, show. Right. Yep. And then, you and then the, like, what else even is there? Then there's the, the then there's the uh, the weird tree. What's or whatever it called? It's the called? tree zone. Yeah, uh, Godswood. The Godswood. God, yeah. And then there's like various inside of Winterfell. Like, I, like I get what you're saying. Like, I, I, I personally wasn't bothered by the lack of like knowing where things were, but I guess I just felt like I was. There was only those three spots. Let me give you a perfect example. Me, you go to Galway, Ireland right now, right? (laughs) We go two hours outside in the country. Someone gives us two torches. I believe it's Belfast. (laughs) Oh, Belfast. They give us two torches. They say, go to that castle over there and and walk me through it. You think you're going to be able to fucking tell what's what? Exactly. My point is is not as much larger scale battalion movements or whatever. Like, no, that's not what this is, is about. I get that. The problem is... When you don't have context for the the fight that you're seeing, like you can't. You're saying like you didn't know like like who's who, what's what. Like Brienne gets like run over by bad guys. You're like, oh what? And then all of a sudden she's not. And then later she kind of is. But you and then but there's no context to what's happening to our characters to build tension. So instead, it just becomes the show punching you in the face. Which is quick cuts of fights over and over and, and over the for an hour and a half. The occasional, and then 60, once in a while you see like one of your heroes' faces, and you're like, okay. But like, if I had a break in the action, like for instance, uh, something like so, I feel that Battle of Bastards and Hard Home are both superior. Battle of Bastards, for instance, has like the long cut where it's following John, and like you see someone charging at him, and you're like, oh, there's tension here because he's being charged at, and he dodges it. You're like, oh, okay. And then something else comes in, and you're like, oh. Okay, now he dodged that. You don't, all you see is just cut, 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 face, 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 fight, fight, slash, slash, slash. Like it's just punching you in the face for an hour and a half. And it's like, if I don't have context to build tension, how am I supposed to get invested? I, I'm going to disagree with you. Point because, taken. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. But I, I, I feel as though, right, in those other battles, right, it was Battle of the Bastards, right? Yep. Was I have a problem with him. Yep. I'm going to kill him. It's personal, and this is what needs to be done. With this battle, it was an undead horde, and all their mission to do was to end civilization. There was nothing personal against Brienne. There's nothing personal against Jamie. It was just body on body trying to figure out who can survive. And like I think that was the point of it, rather than trying to figure out like why can't we make a break and, and focus on this for a little and try to get a, a sense of that. Like it was craziness because i think that's what it was supposed to invoke was just absolute craziness and i so i don't mind that concept i think the problem for me and this might come down to a taste thing is i don't that type of like sensory overload to make it feel like you're in the battle that only can do much for me for a certain amount of time and i feel like it was too long i feel like this entire thing could have been a half hour shorter and it would have been tenser than having it just because you can start to dull to it like anything like if you just if it's just sensory overload eventually it just becomes noise and you start to just dull to it and so by a certain period you're just like okay well okay we're just gonna keep watching well, the same cuts of the same people getting almost dead but then saved at the last second okay do it again and again and again and again and again for an hour and a half let's move away from the technical because we're not gonna find anything to talk about more in the technical sure let's talk about our characters who we've been following for eight years yes, nine yes, years yes Let's talk about where they were before this, where they were after or during, and then what, what what's going to happen next. 
So when you text me after episode two, you were like, it's a little better than episode one. Yeah, I did not care for the episode one. But it's still filling in to fill in, right? And I said, all right, that makes sense. Like we as a viewer know so much more than these characters do. And I feel like episode two, if you watch it right before episode three, it's such a more powerful episode because you don't get that break to think about it. Mm. You get to see them in real time. They have their drink. They have their last fuck. And it's like <laughs> next scene yeah, yeah. is, okay, we're, go- we're going to go into battle. Sure. Um, no, I agree. They play better together for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So who do you want to start with? Like, who do you want to dissect in their mission to save Winterfell and so, humanity? So this was, again, a bit of a problem I had with the episode when you talk about the characters. Yeah. Is I do feel like, and this is this is something that kind of is a bigger picture about Thrones, but I I feel like we didn't lose enough marquee characters. Like we lost Theon, we lost Jorah. Good characters, important characters, but B players, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and with all the buildup of the previous episode, like kind of setting up, kind of telegraphing some deaths, and what we know about Thrones, and knowing that the show's almost over, like I really did expect some people to die. And if yep. and they didn't. Yeah. And do I feel like the show has been pulling its punches the last two seasons? Yes, I do. Especially it's kind of the Beyond the Wall episode kind of really like solidified it for me. It's been like that since. But I'm not necessarily against that as much as what I didn't like was the fact that our heroes were the only ones that seemingly, based on the direction, survived. Like when John was running through the courtyard in slow motion for too long, separate technical issue. Uh, <laughs> They kind of like cut to his view and he's looking around the courtyard and he sees it's like a handful of people still alive, kind of isolated in their own little battles. And they're the only ones surviving the Horde of the Dead, like fighting them off. And it's all of our six main heroes that we have left. And they killed off every other red shirt by then. And like, it was almost like, okay. And these are some people that were like frontline people. Like sure. Brian and Jorah, the tidal wave of zombies that overtook them, they should have been overtaken by that. Sure. Uh, and so I, I, that was another sticking point for me for the episode was like, I don't know. It like, I know that it's a fantasy and I know that people are going to miraculously fight their way out of certain situations, but like for the final battle, build as the final battle, the most important episode of the final season, the greatest thing ever. I was disappointed we didn't lose more people. Okay. Two, two, two things. To I'm add. sad about Jorah because I love Jorah. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And it goes to a point that Craig made before we went on air is that, Old Game of Thrones, everyone would have been dead, right? Sure. The thing with with George R. R. Martin is that he gives no favor to your favorite characters. When you make previously in Game of Thrones, if you make a gross tactical error, your Jon Snow has been doing all two seasons. Yeah. You you pay Last the price season. for making stupid decisions, particularly in like battle yeah. situations. Yeah. Or you pay the price for being outsmarted by someone who's better than you, like like. Yeah, that that's been like, bumming me out about specifically Jon Snow. Like, is that like he continues to do like dumb hero shit and he keeps surviving and it says like it just kind of goes against like the lessons of the show, like yeah, the lessons yeah. that the, of the of his, the universe his, of Game of Thrones. I was yeah. wholeheartedly his tactics are shit. Yeah. In the in in the Battle of Bastards, which technically was a better battle than what we saw on Sunday night, I was so ready to watch him die being trampled to death gasping for air yeah i thought that was gonna be by his own too. men right yeah. yeah 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 and like after he survived that i have that, that same feeling that craig said like okay like so we're gonna wait till the hundredth and third minute of episode six for the final 
you know, sword to be drawn. And if it does happen, great. Thanks, George. I appreciate that. Yeah. But at that point, does it become too late? Like, has has it has it been such a replay thing of savior and dumb luck that it becomes a, we're just numb to the fact that that yeah, that's my issue with Jon Snow. The writing of Jon Snow's character lately is, or not necessarily his character, but his plotline. He's been saved at the last minute umpteenth times. There's the Battle of Bastards. He gets away from that. Yeah. Beyond the wall, he's dead unless Danny comes down and, and saves him with the fire there. Uh, like Jon Snow has like, oh, miss, he actually did die and Melisandre brought him back. Yeah. Like, let's, let's not forget about the time that he actually died. Yeah. He's like <laughs> almost died a zillion times and he always gets saved to the last second. He would have yeah. died in this episode if it wasn't for Arya killing the Night King at the last second. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that I don't get that there either. Is, there is a very direct relationship between the quality, the the poor quality of writing for Jon and Derry, Danny over the last three seasons and Peter Dinklage Sansa, Sansa Stark and Arya Stark have been the complete opposite direction. Their yeah. characters, the way they've acted them, the way they've written for them has got so much more in depth yeah. and more just... Sansa in particular, I think, has become the most dynamic, she's, interesting character. She rules now. Oh, she yeah. used to be she's the like, worst. Yes. She used to be terrible, but like <laughs> showing her arc and what she has learned from Cersei and like seeing her, her develop, I think is one of the most interesting storylines in there. And I think yeah. to the credit of this episode, I did think they did a nice job with the stuff in the crypts and the stuff with Sansa and Tyrion having a moment. Yeah, dude. Uh, that you know was, what that was, was the highlight of the episode. That was a highlight for sure. You know sure. what I was waiting for? I was like, shit, they're going to do a murder-suicide right now. Like, I was it almost like, seemed like that. Right? Yeah. I, that was an odd. I thought that too. I was like looking at it going, wait, what's about to happen? I knew there was like, yeah, in watching that where they're like looking at each other and like Dinklage is like 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 holding back tears. And I was like, what? Like I knew something was going to happen. Right. But I was like, am she I just like an idiot? Hand? Am I like missing it? Like what are they going to do? Are they going to kill each other? Are they going right. to like Literally, I thought it was going to happen. Like, what's yeah. going like, what? Maybe go? Like, I, legitimately, like I, it was very clear to anybody with the set of eyes that like something was about to right, go down. Yes. I just like did had no goddamn clue what it was. Maybe yeah. that was the point. I, I was and the crypt thing. Speaking of the crypt thing, I know a lot of people ahead of time were like, "Why would you hide in the crypts?" And I thought to myself, "Well, that's that's true, but that's too obvious." Like, and those people are already dead. He's not going to get a chance in the middle of the battle to like raise the dead. And then of course he fucking did. Yeah. Uh, so hiding in the crypts, you would think John or Tyrion would have thought of that. I don't know. That was a little well. There was odd, a thing online, to me. There was a thing online too that said that like the 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 spirits of Winterfell will always defend like there's like a passage in one of the books that says oh. like the the spirits of Winterfell will always guard the crypt to make sure that Winterfell stays safe and all these neckbeards online were like uh the ghost of Ned Stark is gonna come back and kill all and it, like okay cool in concept that'd be sick of a yeah. headless horseman kicked over a fucking <laughs> mausoleum and was like let's go oh man if Ned came back it'd be over be prince whatever uh, do you feel that th you just pointed out that the writing has shifted? Yeah. And do you feel like that has to do with the George R. R. Martin material running, oh, running out? I mean, behind the episode or on the 60 minute thing is that they said, okay, like you're in book four or book three or four in the series of what you've written. And David and David or whoever the guys are created, uh, they've taken your baby. And he's like, at some point, you got to let it go. Right. So, like, they're obviously, they know what the end's going to be. They've talked about it. They know sure. who sits on the Iron Throne or who right. doesn't. But what happens in between is all up to these guys. I and thought I it was it, really yeah. interesting, George R. R. Martin's response to that, where they were like, yeah, like the question, was it Anderson Cooper? 
Yeah, it was yeah, like right? 60 yeah. minutes. Um, so yeah, he like pitches him the question. He's like, but this is like your baby. And he's like, the books are my baby. Yeah. Like, right. The show yeah, is that's what he says. awesome. But like the books are my baby. And I'm right. going to write a, the last book. And like that's, and I was like, that's like a really... Like good for that guy. Yeah, like, no, right. Like, like stay in, way to stay in your lane. Especially like you know, biggest like, show in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like you know, yeah. I, I that's just cool. That I don't know. I thought that was really cool yeah. to be like. You know what? I don't make TV shows. I write books. And <clears throat> the last book in this series is gonna be my thing. And these guys made an awesome show, and they're gonna continue to do so. Right. Like, what do you want? And I, th- I, th- I feel like again, Beyond the Wall was like definitely a turning point. I thought where it it was very became very Hollywood spectacle focus where like in old thrones more people would have died beyond the wall also uh and that's when like that season and around that episode last season is when like the teleporting quote unquote started happening where people could travel instantly anywhere sure. as opposed to having like three episodes yeah, from on the king's beyond road. the wall to dragonstone to king's landing in like a, episode. Uh, in a day yeah. yeah the entire first season uh, is and, like, and at the time road. at the time i was i thought the spectacle was enough and yeah. they still had some elements, like even though that that was very Hollywood, it was cool, it was great, it was awesome looking, and they still killed the dragon, yeah, and then they got the dragon as a bad guy, and I was yeah. like, oh shit! So there's still some like some, yeah. some some stakes there. Now I feel like it's definitely veering much more towards just like like that, seeing just the heroes that we know as the last survivors, like fighting, like, like it's a classic war movie battle yeah. scene, like just zoom in on the people that we know who are still there. And the same thing at the end of the episode where they go into the classic, like ever since Saving Private Ryan, every war movie has a moment where they like focus in on somebody and they deaden the sound effects. They bring in heavy music and they turn to slow motion and they do like a final like thing. And like that, again, very Hollywood, very classic movie making type of type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's just not the thrones that that we've. It's hard to I mean, it's hard to judge any of this without seeing. The last few episodes, yeah, like it's, and this it's, could change. You got to see the context of exactly. The whole thing. But it's you. You're right. Like I've I fell in love with Thrones because I I it was the theatrics and the drama and the writing and the deception. Right. Yeah. It wasn't never the Hollywood blockbuster type action. Yeah, the good scenes. guys don't always win. Yeah. Right. Right. And we built up to this point. We knew it was going to happen. So like we got to let it happen. But like you know the great thing about other HBO shows, you know, like The Sopranos. Like you watch Sopranos because like you saw how dynamic these characters were mm-hmm. and you saw like these archetypes of what a person can be become shattered. And you can see like, you know, this alternate side. And like, that's what I love about game of Thrones is like, what you see is not really what's happening on the, you know, in the background, Yeah, you know? And I just feel like, like you said, a little disappointed from what's been happening in the last two seasons, you know, and you know, we'll see what happens from there. But on the other hand, let me finish the thought. Like, if this was like the season three, like midpoint, it can honestly, right, only get crazier from here once they go to King's Landing. I would assume. Well, so that right? brings up that brings up an interesting question, and this is another point of of potential disappointment from me. But again, I can't know until I see the whole show. But one of the things that it was confusing to me. Uh, and some other people that I had talked to is it seemed as if the entire central theme of the entire television show of the story of Game of Thrones, like the 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 thesis statement of the entire show seemed to be that who sits on the Iron Throne is irrelevant. And the only way that we can face a threat like this is for humanity to finally 
band together. Sure. Like that seemed to be the message of the show is like all the politicking, all this stuff, none of it matters because the dead are coming. And that's what we need to work on together. And like the story of Game of Thrones is people coming together to like put that aside and fight the dead and fight death. And then they, but they, they didn't do that. This small group was able to do it. They finished death and now there's three episodes left. So like, yeah. so now who sits on the throne is ultimately the most important thing. Like it's just, no, it but seems I like such that- a weird fundamental shift in the show. And maybe it's the George R. R. Martin thing of like, ha ha, you thought Rob was important. I just killed him. Ha ha, you think the Night King's important. This is actually over. Um, but like we're so close to the end, but not, and it's taken up so much space. I don't know. I'm very. I'm. I guess. I yeah. guess I got to see how it plays out. But it just seems odd to me that the the what I thought was the overarching story I isn't quite. I don't know. Uh, we we don't know. You yeah. know. And like I think of the two biggest threats to humanity would be the Night King, right? And then Cersei Lannister. Sure. Then after the Night King goes down, and I I thought about it, and I was like this guy only had one goal and his one thing in mind was just to go there, kill people and wipe out any trace of humanity to start over. Quote right, unquote. Right. Cersei Lannister is one of the most evil characters that have ever been written. And I think I speak to for everyone that I, I am waiting, waiting to see how she leaves this earth. <laughs> do you think it's going to be Arya? Are you, are you buying into the prophecy? Do you want to know? Do you want to know what I really think? So, well, hold on. Yes, but then I want to hear about this prophecy because I've been reading, like, I've been seeing things about it, but I don't know what it is. Okay, what do you think? My thought is I think Jamie's going to kill his sister. I think what's going to happen is Arya is going to have the chance. I think the mountain is going to crush Arya in that split second. You're going to get the Clegane Bowl coming out of Arya's death. Because oh, you're going to avenge her? Fucking Clegane Bowl. Freak. Yeah, he'll avenge her. And I think her, yeah. it's going to get to the point where Jamie's going to strangle his sister just like Melisandre predicted was going to happen. Prophecy? Yeah. Wait, what? I don't remember Melisandre predicting Jamie. She would said kill. that you would you would leave the, the, the life of your uh, sister's body would be left in your hands. Hold on. Uh, I don't remember that. Let's pause this for two seconds. So the, the prophecy that I'm referring to is, and this was like a deep whole deep cut from like season two, is when Melisandre sees um, uh, Arya when she's in the process of kidnapping or buying Gendry. She looks at Arya and says, like, I see darkness the in you. Thing. And she's the eyes thing. And now she's killed Walder Frey, who had brown eyes. She's killed the Night King, who has green eyes. And Cersei. Blue eyes. Blue eyes. Blue eyes, excuse me. And Cersei in the books and the show has green eyes. So presumably the third person that gotcha. Melisandre has provisioned uh, her to kill would be Cersei. Can I get a quick axe to grind on the Melisandre thing? Yeah. One other like long view Thrones theme that has been true for a long time is like uh, in the pirate, Salador Slain, Davos's buddy, mm-hmm. says basically like encapsulates it in like a line of dialogue. A couple seasons ago, I forget when, but they're like walking on the beach. Yeah. And he's like, everybody think like, t- I've been all over the world, right? Because Davos's kid is like a Mooney for the red god, right? So right, like, right, I've right. been all over the world, kid. Everybody thinks they have the one true god. But right. Like, it's all bullshit, right? That has like borne out. Like that worldview is clearly like the worldview of like George R. R. Martin, where like throughout this film, there's a variety. Or, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Throughout the story, there's a variety of religions all of which kind of sometimes work. Most of the times they don't work. It's like bump, it's like pissing me off that like the red woman, like the the Lord of Light, quote unquote, is like like the magic is actually real and it's working. Like ever since like Jon Snow came back, like that 
appears to actually be the one true God, yeah. so to speak, which like to me flies in the face of like the whole tenor of the show, which is like everybody thinks they know, but really right. like death is the only thing. Right, that's, right, know. right. I don't know. That's just like a little yeah, thing. Yeah, I can me. see that. I can see that being an issue too. Um, so there was uh, season five in the first episode or the third episode. There's a flashback scene where Cersei and her friend are wandering through the forest. Yeah, yeah. And oh, the, the witch, old lady, the when witch's she was a kid. kid. That, she was a kid. So she, she said, "What's my future gonna be?" And she names all these all the things. kids die. And the last thing she said is, she says, "She says you're gonna lose the kids, right? And all her kids have died." Yep. Um, and when your tears have finally drowned you, the Valancor shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you. And then she runs out of the tent. Mm. Hmm. I feel so. I feel like Jamie. Killing Cersei, I feel like it's a little too, I don't know, too easy, like too predictable, too circular. Like I think it's if Cersei goes like mad, like the Mad King, and he has to stab her just like he did the Mad King. Like I feel like there's too easy a narrative there. I feel like it's one of those things that, and it's tough because the writers have kind of like, the writers have written themselves into a corner, so to speak, where they're, they want to subvert expectations, ideally, like Thrones typically does. Sure. But you also, there is a certain element of things that the audience expects that you want to deliver on. It's kind of like, this is something actually back to the Avengers, the writers of the Avengers mentioned in one of their commentaries is give the audience what they want, but not in the way they expect it. Sure. So like, if we don't see the Clegane Bowl, like if the Hound never fights the mountain, like I'll be disappointed. I'll be pissed. So like, the writers are now at a point where they're like, fuck, like we have to do these certain things. But then if we do them, people are going to say it was predictable. You know what I mean? Right. So like yeah. they're, they've, they're in a Not tough... Not to mention they have limited time here. Now they have three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we talked about this... They're in a after, tough spot. We, we talked about this during episode one, or season eight, episode one, when you texted a group and you were like, this is just bad writing for television. And we all collectively were like, it's not the viewer's fault that you decided to make this last season six episodes right. instead of eight. I've already felt like that, yeah, that this episode, this season could have... Like they could have stretched fast forward, much, much like, more. This I out. didn't ask for that. We didn't like as Thrones fan. Like we've always been invested in the long game. So like, don't punish me because it was someone else's decision. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid the next three episodes is just gonna be fucking just cramming stuff in. Don't you feel that it's gotten less crammy though? Which with well, each episode, that's well, kind of, like yeah. one was pretty not. Now so that they've was, isolated everybody. Two was all right. Yeah. Three now we're now we're now like, that they've isolated everybody to two locations. It obviously streamlines. It's but they, they, they were all isolated more. in episode one, and that like wasn't great. Mm. That was bad. That was bad writing for TV. That was yeah. That was that was poor. That that date scene was one of the worst written and acted sequences I think I've seen on Thrones. Which ones? When the waterfall. Danny and John go on like a date, dragon. dragon. Oh, uh, Harry, the Harry Potter t- twelve. <laughs> yeah, we grow up and fuck. <laughs> uh, can I ask you both a question though? Sure. So, it's sort of as well established now that we're in like Hollywood land, right? Yeah. Like we're in like Hollywood blockbuster zone. I think is how you've described it. Like, yeah. can you be okay with that? Like, do you think you'll be able to just sort of like? I watch think, it from that new perspective or are you just going to be constantly jammed up that it's not like old school thrones see i think it's i think this is where for me it comes down to the execution because beyond the wall was total hollywood and i was totally bought in because yeah. i thought they did it well i was invested it was emotional the action was great the cgi was great like all that stuff like beyond the wall i knew in my head like wow this is pretty lazy in terms of the writing and the and the narrative convenience of people showing up at the last second like mm-hmm. all that stuff i knew but I still fucking loved it. Sure. Versus this last episode, I didn't like how they executed it. So then I was left with nothing. If I don't really like the the story they're going with, 
and I don't really like how they're executing it. Now I'm like, uh, I don't know if, what I, how I feel. So I think for me, it's going to depend on the execution. If the next three episodes they do really well, then maybe I, I can get over the fact that it's a new era. But, but so if they never go back, if there is no like rug pull, you know, Jon Snow gets his throat cut or something, like if you're right, okay right. without having that. I think if they hit it in a way that is emotionally satisfying, then sure. It's about how it makes you feel. Game of Thrones on Broadway. AJ, what are your thoughts? Around the table to end this. Um, I feel like you are going to be a little more disappointed if they don't do some sort of... uh, Yeah, I told you what I'm looking for. I want Cersei to to die in the most horrific death that's been on the show so far. And I want the mountain and the hound to to literally rip each other's skulls off. That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. You know, do you think, but if there's a big Cersei death and then there's an awesome battle between the hound and like, that's pretty Hollywoody to me. Right. You're just saying as long as they pull that off, you're, you're down. Well, we've been wait. I feel like it's something we've been waiting for. Like right. everyone's got their own or ha- like everyone that we've really hated, truly hated has, and people we've loved got, got what they deserved except for Cersei Lannister. And she's either the best at playing the game and it will never happen. Right. Or we will get some fan service and she'll be like split in half and then like fed to like poor kids on the street. Uh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But like, that's what I, I don't know what uh, let's go. Let's go predictions. Who you think wins the throne? Do you want me to open up Bavada and see what they have for odds right now? <laughs> um, How do you see it playing out? You got three episodes left. What do you think of the major, major story beats they, they're going to hit throughout the three? Because like, I'll give you my quick overview. You know who I think is going to be uh, on the throne? Who? Peter Dinklage. I think it's going to be Tyrion. I think it's going to be Tyrion and Sansa Stark as king and queen on the Iron Throne. You think? So you think that John and Danny die in some way? And Arya die, and Jamie dies, and Cersei wow. dies. Even after Jesus what you've just Christ. seen. Oh yeah, I think this doesn't change your thought. No, your I think we're going to have the 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 princess from the north and the fucking bastard dwarf thing from the south be able to rule a kingdom as a unified front. Okay. That'd be cool. I could get behind that. I, uh, what I, do you got? I don't want Arya to kill Cersei. I'll be honest with you. I feel like if the entire history of this Westeros civilization hinges on the fact that Arya happened to get super secret assassin training because she kills fucking the Night King and Cersei and like all of it is all predicated on Arya's storyline, which I didn't care about when it was happening. Uh, that would bother me. I don't know. That would bug me. Uh, as far as predictions, I think this next episode is, I think episode four is a regroup, obviously, and like a, a strategy planning and a check-in on Cersei and what's going on there. I think episode five will be some sort of a battle and then episode six would be your your wrap-up. Um, and I think that, uh, I feel like John will sacrifice himself for Danny, or or he'll stand aside and let her take it. I don't know. I feel like they're gonna give wow. the. I think they're gonna. I think they are gonna give the audience what they want, and I think that everyone's been pulling for Khaleesi this entire time, and I think she's gonna eventually get it. So I agree with the Khaleesi take. I think she ultimately winds up like on the Iron Throne. I think Arya hundred percent gonna die. Like her stock right now so high. Oh yeah. Like I still have this little piece of me that thinks sell that it. They're gonna. <laughs> They're gonna like do a throw. They have to do something Thronesian here at some point. That's what I'm I, saying. I think. I think the me. mountain is gonna literally rip her in half. Well, I don't know. I don't know how she goes. Doesn't matter to me. The hound doesn't seem like the type of character they would have kill her. No, the mountain. 
I'm sorry, the mountain. Yeah, either way. Like some big strong guy that she could like dance around in between his legs and like cut his fu- you know, whatever. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I've heard a lot of people predicting she'll kill the mountain. I don't know. I think she she may, but I also think she's gonna die. Love it. Um, Who else you got dying? I also don't think that we're gonna get a satisfying death to Cersei. I think she's either gonna escape. Like oh. almost similar to like Daenerys back in the day, right? Like she's powerless. Like she 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 would not oh, escape. She goes, she goes to like <laughs> She would not escape like with an army. She would just herself her her body. She would get out of there a lot. Like maybe Jamie has her cornered, lets her go, and Slithers then tells everybody yeah. he killed mm-hmm. her. Something like that. Something. She goes you know and lives in exile. I don't that, think we're gonna get a satisfactory. That TV's there. a natick. I'm throwing it that far if that happens. So those are my two hot hot takes. What do you think the follow up's gonna be with Braun? Sir Bron of the Black. Do you think they're gonna like be or marching? The, Here's the, my prediction: is they march down to King's Land, or they make their they're starting to make their way to King's Landing. Yeah. Bron, who's trying to get to Winterfell to kill them, meets up, and then he shoots an arrow that misses on purpose, and like there's a shrug, and then a like. What's uh, his deal? He's like in charge of the dragon machine. Right? No, he's got the crossbow that killed Tywin. Gave him the oh, he and he's on a mission to kill to kill Jamie or Tyrion? both Tyrion, Tyrion. or Jamie. Gotcha. I, you know what I think what is going to happen? <laughs> Imagine if, or, he, or, or, or wild card. He can't kill those guys. He loves those guys. I know. Saying. He's going to turn. Braun gives the crossbow to Tyrion. Tyrion and Tyrion, and Tyrion kills Cersei, kills Cersei with, with the crossbow. Maybe. That's wild. See, I just don't think Cersei's going to die. I'll I think so, she'll be defeated. I'll be so. I just don't think she's going to die. I'll be so angry if she doesn't die. I mean, that's why they can't kill her. Because I'm so. Well, they said that with Joffrey, too. Well, but that's different, I think. And Tommen, when Tommen jumps up, two greatest scenes so far in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Is Dothraki going to battle and the fucking torch is going out. Yeah. And, and Tommen jumping out of the window. And when Tommen jumps out the window when that score is playing in the background. That's good. I uh, My favorite scene of the entire show is, or my favorite episode of the entire show is still Tyrion's trial. I fucking love that. He won a uh, Emmy for that, didn't he? I don't know. I believe he did. Uh, this is, but this type of conversation, I think, is what puts the writers in such a hard spot. Oh, yeah. And I saw a funny tweet about it, which was like, people spend over the last, in this case, like two years between seasons, contemplating every single possible permutation of the storyline. Call the show predictable. <laughs> yeah. It's like, right. like, what are you going to do? Yeah. No, it's tough. It's but also the- at a point now where every, it's tr- like Game of Thrones has just transcended into so many different areas of culture that, like, you go on Twitter after one of these episodes and like you've got your like political people making political jokes about Game of Thrones, your sports people making sports jokes about Game of Thrones. Yeah, You're like yeah. every little sort of subdivision of culture yeah. has like a way to like make Game of Thrones theirs. I think per- personally, I think that's awesome. Yeah. But like there's just no way that they're going to do something that's going to please everybody. It's just no. impossible. Yeah. You see, they just canceled the prequel. Yeah, uh, which I'm happy about. I, there's still other spinoff series apparently in the works, but the the one of the prequel ones that they were working on it got axed. Yeah, uh, which I'm thankful for. I think, I mean, this yeah, we just talked a while about this. My my great. thought on Thrones, especially like the lack of a prequel series, which I think is smart. If you're writing a story, so this is going to be a bigger point I want to make here. Go for it. Uh, which is why I think prequels are inherently less interesting and pointless. Not necessarily pointless, but certainly less interesting is when you are writing, when you're screenwriting, there's a sort of a, an axiom to go by, which is you get in as late as you can and you get out as early as you can. Like you only tell the part of the story that needs to be told. Like you don't waste your time with anything else. And you also need to think about your characters and their story and the world you're creating overall 
Like you need to, um, they have to be fleshed out enough to imagine that after the story ends, they continue. And before the story began, they existed. Like you can't just make them in a vacuum. So you have to think about the entire timeline of your story, your characters, your world, and you need to zero in on the most important, most interesting part. And you need to tell that story. And that's what something like, I think like Star Wars, the first one did. Gets in as late as it can. Like, we're literally, like, chasing a spaceship already. There's already a fight happening. Yeah. And then they blow up the Death Star, and you're out. Like, that's the story they told. That's the most interesting story that there is with these characters. That's why we told it. So then, to be like, oh, here's this other story. Here's a prequel about us. It's like, well, if that was more interesting, we would have told that the first time. Like, why are we even doing it? We told the most interesting story there was to tell in this universe. So why bother with anything else? Same thing I feel like with Breaking Bad, and and this is the other reason I hate prequels. Uh with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is like Better Call Saul takes place beforehand and someone pulls a gun on Saul and it's like well yeah, there's no zero tension there. or drama to the scene because I know what ends up happening to him because he survives yeah. to Breaking Bad so like why are we telling this story like so when they have this idea of why don't we do a prequel to Thrones and maybe tell like the Mad King story or something I don't know like that if that was more interesting we would have told that that's what george r r martin would have written instead we're telling this because this is more interesting and it's cool to have this other like fabled thing to like use your imagination to fill in the blanks i agree to tell every i agree but the place devil's advocate like isn't the universe and the lore that he's created has enough weight in the past in other storylines to zero in on them and tell them just like we're doing with star wars now like we told how anakin became Darth Vader. Now we're learning in you know this third postquill how <laughs> Ray or whoever is now a Skywalker. Like, doesn't that have merit to like zone in on different parts if the universe has that much to tell? Maybe I just don't know that it does. I mean, that's why I think there's Star Wars fatigue right now, uh, and that's why I I hate the prequels. Um, Would you? Like, what if you saw like a a mini series on like Robert's Rebellion? Would you watch that? Would you find that interesting? Maybe. I mean, I would find it interesting, I guess, but I, it's not going to be as good. Like, you're never going to be able to improve on. Yeah. I mean, there is, it. there is in the Thrones. There's a futility to in it. the Thrones world. There is that whole, you know, their parents' generation, more or less, right? Like right. the Ned Stark, Robert Baratheon, um, two characters who are dead by the end of the first season, right? right like, right. so like the that generation of people, their whole war, but it's like that. Those those that show that doesn't exist yet, but like that prequel would only be good if they make a bunch of other characters that we don't know about that are like cool and that you're invested in. But like inherently, they wouldn't be cool, and you wouldn't yeah. be invested in them <laughs> right because they weren't significant enough to know to about matter. in the first place. And the ones that we do know about, the A players, the Ned Starks, the Robert Baratheons, the uh, uh, yeah. what's his face Targaryen. Um, we know what happens. Right. Like Robert wins and like yeah. everything's yeah. No, but I mean there yeah. I think it had a would have a fighting chance of being a good series. I mean, well, it would obviously uh, be lesser uh, than just for my counterpoint, I know we hate going back and forth, but like an example is they're making a prequel movie to the Sopranos, right? Called right, New, with, with Gandolfini's kid playing Tony. Yeah. yeah. There is so much things that were alluded to in the original Sopranos that we never got closure on, including one of the major things that was talked about since episode one is how did Tony, 30 years younger than Uncle June, get become a made man before he did? Which in like mafia world is like, how the fuck did that happen? And we're finally, after all these years, going to see probably how that happened. Like to me, that's just as interesting as all the things that I saw with Tony sure. and June that happened during the run of the original Sopranos. I feel like that's a niche market 
though, or niche. How is it? The, the, the I character, feel like, the I feel like for you, that's great. And if you're like, and I think that the same thing, if there's, there are certain Thrones people or Star Wars people that are that's so true. invested that they'll buy into it no matter what it is. But for me, I just know that if it's not going to be as compelling as the original, then why are we bothering? And, you know, maybe there's some artistic merit to it, yada, 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 but I don't know. I think I, and now the other prequel idea I've heard about Thrones is that they were going to go back and tell the story of the children of the forest and the creation of the White Walkers and tell that story. Which, again, if you're interested in that, sure. But I don't know. I, I just inherently find lack of value in a lot of these prequels. I think that I think that the interest you have in that is also helped along by the fact that it's been, what, like 15 years since The Sopranos? You yeah, know what I mean? Like, And same thing, like, not that that first run of Star Wars sequels was any good, but there was certainly a lot of buzz. Bu- yeah. Know, popular. You know, sure. because it was 30 fucking years later. Then right, like, right. So, like, yeah, if we're, if we're talking about a Game of Thrones prequel or sequel that happens, like, fucking in like 2025 and we have a whole big you know decades of separation between the original show and now and we're like ready as a culture like within the next three four years or so like no yeah. way like we're too close to like the real thing we can't have anything yeah i agree um that's like trying to like do well that. speaking of the culture this is uh another thing i'm curious your take on is do you feel like there will be be, I mean, it's hard to pick the future, obviously. Here we can't. But is, do we feel like this may be one of the last TV shows like this where everyone is watching simultaneously? We expect everyone to watch. We're watching it together every Sunday night. The article I read was talking about both Avengers Endgame and Game of Thrones and how both of them are kind of could be like the last of their type in the sense that as we add more things like Disney Plus streaming and other streaming and like so many original series and all the stuff that comes out, it basically just becomes content more so than it is a movie or a TV show, no. but just content. And no, then you're I... getting content, however you get content, but it's less and less reliant on these big events. And once Thrones ends, is there going to be another show that could potentially get this type of attention and fill that void? Yeah, there will. It, it's going to happen. And will it air on a weekly basis or will it be a Disney Plus show that now who watches it when doesn't matter? Look, at, I think we've, we've, I remember growing up and I remember watching the the series finale of Friends and Seinfeld with my parents, right? I remember The Sopranos and that was huge too. Like, if there's good writers and there's good producers and there's good directors and they can find a way to get in the same space, it will happen again. Will it happen in six months, 12 months or five years? I, I don't know, but it it has it has to happen. It has to happen I think it's again. more a question about the, I'm sure the content will be just as good or just as engaging, but I think it's the delivery and the changes we're seeing in that landscape that make it kind of an interesting Yeah. An interesting animal. I mean, I think part of the reason that Game of Thrones is such a cultural phenomenon is is it's a fairly simple supply and demand type of equation. Like that's something that you get with the weekly delivery as opposed to like the, the season bench. dump on Netflix or whatever. Like I think someone at some point will figure out how to like make that work and sort of like I think good stuff will rise above and like mm. have that have that thing. Because I mean, Game of Thrones wasn't instant cultural revolution you know i mean it, it was a slow burn like yeah. those first couple seasons I, I mean i don't know i was around i i happened to cross it because i was actually looking for a different show and accidentally watched game of thrones i was looking for the show spartacus blood and sand <laughs> and watched game of thrones by accident and like then i liked it and stuck around yeah, you know yeah, so yeah. like i don't know i i mean it, it's not like it was like an overnight sensation so i true, mean i think yeah, it's a good point like there's tons of noise out there for sure yeah when did it first air 2011. It was. Uh, I first saw it in 2011. I think there was two seasons out, so it had to have been 2010 or 2011. That's crazy. Yeah, I think 20. Yeah, that sounds right. 
remember the first time my buddy, we were at his house and he put it on and I was like, what? Am I like the first episode from start to finish is fucking weird, and you know nothing. Yeah, I rewatched recently. Are, it's definitely a. It's definitely a. The names don't make sense. You you're just yeah. kind of thrown into this world. Like you're introduced to the whites like Im- immediately right off right. the bat. Again, from episode one to now, that's been the overarching story, and they ended it with three episodes left. I don't get it. When when did you start watching it? What season was it at at that point? Live. It was one. Oh, you watch it? From yeah. The one, well, I, I was saying like it was like the fourth episode was out, and he was like, "Hey, have you seen this thing called Game of Thrones? It's on demand. You want to watch the first?" Ep-? We were so high, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> and we watched it, and then immediately I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, I I think I need to get caught up. Yeah. And ever since, it was kind of like this thing. I had canceled HBO because Sopranos was over, Six Feet Under was over. They didn't have like anything at the time. Yeah, and. Thrones came out, and I was like, that's fantasy. I don't really like fantasy, whatever. The first season happened. Then season two was about to start up, and people were getting excited about it, and the reviews were, were like, season one was good. Like, we'll see what happens with two. And I was like, was it that good? So I bought it on iTunes, because again, I had given up HBO. So wow. I bought season one on iTunes. Just, Above board. Just, just, wow. to, just <laughs> to watch it. And then I binged through season one. I was like, holy shit, this is the best show ever. And then <laughs> I re-signed up for HBO, and I've been watching it live since season two. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Right yeah, a lot of Thrones talk. Let's get out of here before next Sunday night. Yeah, do you think, now looking back, do you think we should have just made a podcast about Game of Thrones <laughs> rather than about movies? Bro, I could throw a rock out that window and hit somebody recording a Game of Thrones podcast. There's really? so many uh, Game of Thrones podcasts. We don't right. need to be in that noise. Uh, thank you for joining us for this bonus episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're uh, Thrones fans like we are. Uh, maybe we'll come back at the end of the season. Who knows? We can reflect on the whole thing. Thank you for listening to the Should I Go See It podcast. Please make sure to subscribe to at Should I Go See It on Instagram. Tell your friends to do the same and subscribe to the podcast if they haven't. Thanks.